Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. So today we're in a series called Gifted and Graced. Um, and today I want to focus on that idea of graced. So 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10 says, By the grace of God I am what I am. And I think in life it can be so hard to accept that, accept who we are, to love who we are, to be happy with who we are, let alone to think that we are someone who God has made intentionally and significantly, that we're not an accident, that we didn't just happen into who we are, but that God created us for a purpose and he called us. And I love the fact that the word grace means God's undeserved, unmerited favor and love. So if we think about that, that means that in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, it says, by the grace of God, by the undeserved, unmerited favor and love of God, I am what I am. You know, I think that carries such significance and weight. And so today I want to talk about three things. I think it's so important that we know that we're graced, that we act like we're graced, and that we believe that we're graced. And I actually think these three points are kind of like a circle. It's not necessarily like a one, two, three, but they go into each other. If you know that you're graced, then you're going to act like you're graced. If you act like you're graced, then you need to believe that you are. And if you're believing that you're graced, then you've got to know that you're graced. They intertwine. So I want to talk a little bit about those points um, and point to a biblical story that I think illustrates them well. But why don't you bow your heads and we'll pray one last time. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you for um, these amazing people here, God. We know that it's not by chance that we're here, but that you have something that um, you want to point out to us, highlight to us this morning, God. And we do position ourselves with our hearts open and we ask that you would have your way this morning. Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to talk today from the book of Nehemiah. And I think Nehemiah is a good example of someone who is graced. So a brief recap, Nehemiah is not living as a Jewish man. Well, not really. The nation of Israel has been in ruins for about 200 years. And he's living in Persia, and he's a cupbearer to the king, which it's not like a servant. It's a pretty high up there role. Um, And one day, he's having a conversation with the people from his homeland to check in, to see how things are going. And they say, horrible. Things are going horrible because the walls of Jerusalem, the walls of our city are down. And because they're down, we're at the mercy of the bandits. So whenever we grow up crops and food to feed ourselves, they just come in and they steal it. Whenever we take the crops in, and try and store them in the city, the enemies come and they try and steal it. Whenever we try to make something of ourselves, try to build something up, they come and they destroy it. We're constantly on the back foot. And something in Nehemiah says, this isn't right. And I think Nehemiah is so important because he's such a great analogy and picture of how we can feel. You know, the world can feel broken The walls of the world are down. And I don't know about you, but so often 
it can feel like we're trying to build something good or build something significant. You know, you might be having conversations with someone, trying to help them see um, the good in them and um, that, like, build the confidence up and then something happens and it's like it goes right back to the beginning or maybe you're trying to encourage a family that you know and, and we're trying to build them up and the family relationships are on the mend and they're talking to each other and, and then there's a pressure and it's like the walls are knocked back down again. Or maybe it's at work and you're wanting to make a significant difference and change the culture there. And then, you know, the culture is getting better and better and then someone new joins the team and it's like they might carry a, a bit of a toxic attitude and it feels like everything that you've done is just reset. The walls are consistently knocked down. Have you ever been in that situation? I have. You know, knowing that things could be better, knowing that things should be better, but feeling like your progress just keeps on getting reset. The story of Nehemiah is for you. So Nehemiah sees that something is wrong, that something isn't how it should be. And Nehemiah is graced. Remember, grace is the undeserved, unmerited favor and love of God. And he knows that it's within his power to do something about it. You know, I think the first step in making a positive impact in our world is, point number one, is knowing that we're graced. Knowing that we are called to do something about it. You know, it can be so easy to see the world as wrong and broken, to see that things aren't how they should be. But to not remember that we are actually called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that we're called to go. You know, there's that amazing encounter between God and Isaiah in Isaiah 6. And Isaiah's eyes are opened and his spirit is made aware as he has this prophetic dream of coal touching his lips um, and burning away his perception of himself and his failings and revealing to him that God can use him. You know, and immediately afterward, God says, who can I send? Who will go? And Isaiah says, send me, I'll go. Because he has this realization that it's not actually him, that it's not in his ability, it's not in his capacity, but that it's God. And that if God wants to use us, we can do anything, anything that God calls us to. You know, I remember back when I was doing my undergraduate degree at uni and I felt God calling me to apply for the clinical psychology training program. And I was very anxious and shy back then to the point that kind of I had a track record of as soon as I found out that a paper had a public speaking or presentation, I would just drop out. (laughs) So, (laughs) So the idea of, you know, applying for a competitive program, you know, interviewing, and kind of getting myself into a profession where my job is working closely with lots of different people that are new. I just couldn't see how that fitted. I was the wrong personality type. I didn't like speaking in public. I got shy when I met new people. But I felt the call and I obeyed. And it's been a big journey over the years. You know, I soon found out that once I was in the program, I couldn't just withdraw every time there was a presentation. (laughs) But I used to wear these massive scarves because I'd get this nervous rash that would just come up across my whole neck and face. And that that actually happened for years and years. 
But thankfully, it's not the case anymore. (laughs) And as I stepped out and just trusted that my ability and strengths were in God's grace, you know, I'm now in positions and situations in my job that I never would have imagined that I could do. You know, if you're here and you don't yet know that you're graced, or maybe you're not sure what you might be graced for, and the idea of like needing to find your grace feels really scary or overwhelming, you know, I want to encourage you that I, I don't think this is something to worry about or that we need to make happen, but I do think it's something that we can be intentional about. And I think there are two helpful ways to look at it. I've found that when there's a grace, it's often something that either makes your heart sing or makes your heart frustrated. You know, if you enjoy doing something, then that's not by chance. That didn't just happen. You know, if you enjoy cooking for people, then maybe God has graced you to cook for people. But we can think about how that might, be, might go beyond kind of making a cake for a friend to being involved with feeding our community. Or maybe it's creating a space that parents can connect with their young children and each other, like on the move. Or maybe it's about having a significant influence in your workplace. You know, remember, this isn't just about getting promotions. It means bringing the light bringing heaven to earth in your workplace. So know what it is that you're called to do by what makes your heart sing or know what you're called to do that you're graced to do by the holy discontent that God has put in your heart. You know, if, if you can't watch the news and see that it covers another story about homelessness or violence or the refugee situation, you know, the price of groceries, the amount of single-use plastic in the world. Whatever it is, if you can't watch it without something in your heart saying, this is wrong, maybe God has put that on your heart for a reason. You know, wouldn't it be horrible if we got to heaven and we say, God, the poverty in New Zealand, what was going on? And God says, you know, every day, that you saw something about poverty. You're exposed to a story. I made your heart break. And you didn't do anything about it. What more was I meant to do? If God creates a holy discontent in us, maybe we need to listen to that and do something about it. And the interesting thing about Nehemiah is that he knew he was called. But knowing that you're called doesn't really count for much until you start doing something about it or with it. So my second thought is that we need to act like we're graced. So Nehemiah knew that he was graced, but he couldn't do it on his own. He had to take action and it cost him something. You know, he had to go to his king, his boss in chapter two and say, hey, this nation that you have no investment in is in ruins. Would you be a part of rebuilding it? That's a big step. And I think so often for us, I know for me, that we can write off doing something because we think, oh, 
I could never, like it's too hard, it's too big, I, I don't even know where to start. I'll do it later. But the perfect time will never come because God's with us now. God is capable now. So maybe we just need to step out now. Nehemiah wasn't going to be king of that nation. You know, under his own influence, he wouldn't have had the tools, the resources, the capacity to rebuild the city. And so he had to ask, he had to act. And so often in our lives, we don't get the tools and the resources and the capacity until we start acting, until we say, you know, this needs to be fixed. I'm going to take on that burden and I'm going to do something about it. And so Nehemiah asks the king, and the king in this baffling moment says, sure, not only will I release you to go and do it, but I'll send you with all the resources that you need. And I think it's awesome because it's important to note here that when Nehemiah first asked the king, he didn't ask for resources. You know, he asked if the king would just give him time, let him go to try and sort it out. But the king responded by saying, not only will I do what you've asked, but I'll also give you the solution to that problem that you're trying to solve. What if we start out trying to do whatever we feel called to do, whatever that we feel graced to do? And we feel like, you know, maybe I could start that small business. Maybe I could invite that, that one friend to church. Or maybe I could speak to that one person about this or that or start up that, that ministry. And when we give our little, God gives his lot. God brings increase to it in a supernatural way, way above what we could have thought, ever thought we could do. You know, act. What's your action? You know, it doesn't need to be big. It doesn't need to be dramatic to start off with. But where is our little that God can turn into a lot? You know, where could we just ask the king for some, to be released on administrative duty for a little while? And the king responds by contributing the resources that we need to complete the task. But it takes us asking. It takes us having an action. If we've got a holy discontent that we never turn into a holy action, then the world isn't any better off for our discontent. You know, where will our faith become works? Because like it says in James 2 verse 14, faith without works is dead. You know, so we know that we're graced. We're acting like we're graced. You know, my final thought is that we need to believe that God is going to bring supernatural increase. We need to, number three, believe that we're graced. That God is going to bring his lot. Because once we start operating in our grace area, that's just the beginning. Everything up until this point has been the prologue of the story. The story really starts when we start operating in grace. And that's when the going gets real. You know, in chapter 4, Nehemiah is building the walls of the city. And the enemies who have been taking advantage of the walls being down for so long 
They're not happy about it. They're not excited about the fact that it's being rebuilt. And so they come against it to the point that Nehemiah has people with tools in one hand and swords in the other to fight off the enemy while they're rebuilding the wall. And I love that image. You know, if we're going to go about repairing the world, we need to not be naive to the fact that there will be opposition. That there is an enemy out there who has a vested interest in the world remaining broken and destructive. So when we start to operate in that grace, when we start to bring light into dark places, we need to be prepared for opposition. And we need to carry a conviction. We need to believe that we're graced. Not just know that we're graced, not just act in that grace, but believe that God has called us. You know, believe. Where do we bring our faith? Where could we believe that God is going to do more than we ever could? Because we're not a church that's about changing the world in our capacity, about doing it on our own. We're a church that's about believing in God, that he will bring his supernatural increase and that he'll sustain us. You know, as a church, one of the things that we've really been doubling down on is that we don't want to do anything outside of our conviction. We want to do everything that we can do because we have a conviction to do it because we know that God calls us to do it. And what that takes of me, what that takes of you is seeking God. Not just assuming that God isn't calling you to do something if you haven't sought him out and sought his conviction. And it's a scary place to put yourself in, to ask God, hey God, show me what you want me to do. Because God does have something (laughs) and God is calling you to do something. God has a conviction and a belief that he wants you to carry in your heart. Will you be bold enough? to step out and carry it. I might just get the band up. Thanks, guys. Because I see in this room a bunch of Nehemiahs. You know, a room of people who are graced, who are called by God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, by the undeserved, unmerited favor and love, I am what I am. And who you are is someone who is called to make a difference. And I guess that that is where I want to leave it today. But I think that the final thing is that it's great to know that we're called, to know that we're grace, to act in that grace, to believe that God is going to show up. But the countermeasure to all of that is the lies that we can believe instead. You know, instead of believing that we're graced, instead of believing that we're called, instead of believing that God has a plan and a purpose and a future for our lives, we can believe the lies of the enemy that say, you know, we're not ready, that we're insignificant. We're not qualified. We're too qualified. We're too young. We're too old. We're not good enough. My time has passed. 
But today I know that maybe some of us walked in here with lies that we need to walk out without. That there's something that maybe you're believing about yourself that's holding you back from the call and the purpose that God has for you. That God has a grace for your life. An undeserved, unmerited favour and love. And that's not actually something that you can qualify yourself for. It's not actually something that we can earn. It's not something that we can work our way into. You know, it's in the definition of grace, unmerited and undeserved. But God, He gives it to us anyway. And so the lies that we hold, we don't really have any excuse to keep holding. And so today, if this is, is for you, can we deal with them? You know, I invite you to stand to your feet and the bad's going to lead us in the song of worship again as an offering. And I'd invite you to respond. You know, the chorus says, and if you feel comfortable, why don't you, you know, raise your hands or, or close your eyes. Just do whatever you need to do to get, feel God's close presence. But the chorus says, I am nothing, but you call me your own. And I want to encourage you, that's not a lyric that's meant to make you feel bad. But it's a reminder of how good God is. It's us saying, God, I don't need to focus on what I bring to this because you are enough. You are holy. You are mighty. You are worthy. And so when I think of who you are, of what you've done, I can't help but be encouraged. I can't help but want to step out with you to give you all of me. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.